Hi, everyone. Before we get into today's episode, I want to thank each of you for listening to my very first season of Life and Leadership with Kim Williams. And thank you for bearing with me as I figure this podcasting thing out. It's still a work in progress, but I'm getting better each week. Um, I hope that you have found these episodes as useful as I found them fun and cathartic to do. I'm so excited about season two. And after today's episode, I'm going to be taking a break during the month of August to get ready for this next season of episodes, as well as prepare a few surprises and new services that I think will be helpful for you. So I'll be back in September and I cannot wait to share more. I also want to invite you to inbox me on Instagram with any ideas for podcast subjects or any questions that you would like for me to answer on the podcast. I want to encourage you to go to my website, kimwconsulting.com, to subscribe to my newsletter for the latest news, tips, and resources for you, my fellow nonprofit leaders. And in the meantime, I encourage you to stay plugged in to my Instagram page at Change with Kim or Facebook and LinkedIn at Kim Williams Consulting for daily inspiration, Tuesday tip videos, and just a bunch of things that could encourage you um, during the week. So again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting. Enjoy today's episode. The idea that work was to be enjoyed was foreign to me. I come from a long line of hard workers who taught me that work was to be done quickly, consistently, and with excellence. If you were lucky, you liked doing most of it. But purpose and passion were not the point. Getting paid was. Welcome to Life and Leadership with Kim Williams. I'm the CEO of Interfaith Family Services, a nonprofit that provides housing, help, and hope for families facing homelessness. I'm also the principal of Kim Williams Consulting, a change management firm that empowers nonprofits to change for the better. And I'm the author of Diary of an Insecure CEO, How I Went from Feeling Rejected to Raising Millions. I've led through a variety of organizational issues while raising over $50 million to fight poverty and learning a lot in the process. I created this podcast to share those lessons and help you to successfully navigate life and leadership. So let's get started. The idea that work was to be enjoyed was foreign to me. I came from a long line of hard workers who taught me that work was to be done quickly, consistently, and with excellence. If you were lucky, you liked doing most of it. But purpose and passion were not the point. Getting paid was. That ingrained work ethic served me well throughout my life. I worked my way through college, which significantly limited the loans I had to take out to finish. And that work ethic, as well as my dad's reputation, helped me to land my first real job, and it caused me to stand out. I received my first promotion at the age of 25. It was to the position of office manager, and I'll never forget it. It was such a big deal to me. 
And by the age of 28, I became an executive director of a small nonprofit with a $250,000 annual budget, which I thought was huge at the time. By 38, I became the CEO of a larger one, the, the organization where I'm CEO right now, Interfaith Family Services. And when I began, we had a $2.5 million budget um, at that time. Our budget's larger now, due in part to that work ethic that I'm talking about, and mostly to God's grace and our community's generosity. Um, by the grace of God, our community's been really generous, and so we've been blessed. But the point is, I know how to work and how to work hard. But as a manager and leader, I struggled to connect with employees whose mindsets around work were motivated more by passion, pleasure, and pay than performance and productivity. Now, don't get me wrong. I do love my work, but I love it due not to external factors like nice offices with perks like coffee shop, table tennis, video games, gyms, flexible work schedules, all those things that my son is enjoying in his current internship. I love it because I love improving the lives of others. I love improving the performance, efficiency, and impact of organizations that serve the community. I'm an operations management nerd, truthfully. I love strategy and structure and systems, and I love using them to transform nonprofits into high-performing social enterprises. I want to see nonprofits provide a, a ROI, a return on investment for every dollar that's donated. And I'm really passionate about that. I'm passionate about logic models, outcomes, and impact. I derive pleasure out of my work when I exceed my goals and see our clients do the same. And for the longest, I thought that's what everybody's passion was, but it's not. Different people are motivated by different things, and that's great. Now, I know this should be a logical fact that most leaders understand, but for me, it wasn't. In fact, it wasn't until I took a personality test several years ago and found out just how many different personalities exist in the workplace that it dawned on me that not everyone was thinking like me. Secondly, when I took that test and I found out that my particular personality accounts for just 12% of the people in the world, I realized just how ridiculous it was for me to lead from my perspective only. So it dawned on me that if my personality test only accounted for 12% of the people in the world, that my team probably accounted for the other 88%. And I needed to know how to motivate and manage them if we as an organization were going to be successful. So not only do we have all these different personality types in the workplace, we have all these different experiences and backgrounds and ways that people were raised. And now to add to the complexity of it all, there's the unique perspective of the post-pandemic employee. You know, I've read a lot of articles lately and reviewed research on today's employees, and I found out that much of what they say they want feels contradictory to me as a leader. For example, they say they want independence, except for when they really want feedback and guidance. They want honesty and transparency, except for when it comes to knowing how you really feel about any issues in their performance. Then they really need you to be careful about their feelings and take into account their mental health. 
they say that they want to work with a strong sense of purpose, and that is very important to them. In fact, more important than pay. But their top request in the workplace is for more pay. They want flexibility to work from home, but resent the oversight and check-ins that are required to ensure that work is actually taking place. In the nonprofit sector in particular, many employees say that they're there to make a difference and that they're motivated by the mission of the organizations that they work with. But many also complain about the focus on data, metrics, and client testing to ensure that progress is actually being made. They have high standards for leaders, but when you set those same high standards for them, they say that the organization lacks grace or the permission to fail when it comes to their performance. Now, with that being said, the overarching desires of today's workplace seems to be three things. They want more flexibility, higher pay, and a greater sense of purpose. The only problem is that as it relates to flexibility, Not all offices or organizations can serve clients well without doing so in person or without a specific set of operating hours. As it relates to higher pay, donor revenue, facility costs, and program expenses limit how much you can reasonably pay your team while keeping the nonprofit open at the same time. As it relates to a sense of purpose, the employee first has to know themselves, their talents, and their purpose to match it to an organization and position that aligns with it. We can't provide purpose for employees. We can only provide an opportunity for them to walk in it. Honestly, it takes years of experiences and trial and error for most people to find their purpose, and they're working in the meantime. So not every employee is going to have that alignment when they start their careers or even years after. So what can we as leaders do given these realities? We must, well, I think we must first be clear on our mission and the culture of our organization and do our best to attract and retain those who align with it. Just like every person is different, every organization is different. And instead of trying to be everything for everybody, we must first decide who we are. We must simply be the best version of ourselves, given the resources that we have to work with and the community we are designed to serve. And guess what? When me and my leadership team sat down three years ago to define who we were now, we had just moved into a new facility, and how we were uniquely positioned and designed to serve the community, it greatly improved our culture. It significantly improved retention for employees who made the three-month mark, and it helped us serve the most clients in our history while simultaneously producing the best client outcomes. So what do we do? I know you want to know, so let's talk about it. Let's talk strategy. So there were many things that we did to improve our organization's culture and operations since 2019 when we moved in our new facility. But the first three steps resulted in the biggest shift in our culture and performance. Let's start with step one. Step one is to establish clear company goals. 
Interfaith is a high-performing organization because of our relentless focus on client outcomes, which permeates throughout our organization. Everyone in our organization is clear on the specific impact that we want to have on each family that we serve and how we define success. We have five specific outcomes that we want each family to achieve, and those outcomes govern our interaction from the first hello to the graduation ceremony. Our intake coordinator is focused on making sure that our families understand the goals for for the program and are in the position to achieve them at intake. Our success coaches, career coaches, and financial coaches are clear on their specific role and their responsibility to help ensure the achievement of the metric for which they are assigned. Our children's team understand their purpose and the metrics that they are helping our children to achieve. And our facility staff understands the physical environment necessary to make achieving these goals in an easy, efficient, and aesthetically pleasing way possible. Goals give everyone a sense of purpose and a sense of accomplishment and fulfillment when they're completed. It keeps all of us focused as we monitor our monthly dashboard to make sure that we're on track and it empowers us to make modifications when we aren't. I can't stress enough how much crystal clear goals help to ensure that everyone knows their roles, responsibilities, and how success is measured. That clarity brings focus, and focus fosters a better work environment. Step two, define your culture in terms of key employee characteristics. In addition to defining the goals, it's important that you define the culture needed to pursue them. Now, there are a hundred ways to get anything done, but your unique culture will be, but your unique culture will be based on your vision your leadership style, your target demographic, your community, and your donors. For example, our culture is centered around creating a social enterprise with a work environment that is productive, professional, and positive. We look for employees with a proven track record for being productive because we're an outcomes-driven social enterprise. We focus on helping our clients to achieve specific and measurable outcomes that have been proven um, to result in self-sufficiency. Therefore, our ideal employee is going to be productive. They're going to be goal-oriented, and they're going to be comfortable in a deadline-driven environment. This employee will be able to share specific accomplishments from their past in their interview Um, They're often things like former student athletes or someone who enjoyed competing with themselves. Then when it comes to professionalism, our second, you know, cultural characteristic, we're looking for people with excellent customer service skills, with business etiquette and competencies that serve as a great model for our clients and align with the expectation of our donors. And our third competency is positivity And I personally added positivity as a key employee characteristic because it reminds me personally to recognize and reward good performance. And given that our team is primarily high performing, it reminds me to show grace in challenging times and provide outlets and opportunities to de-stress and experience work-life balance. It also reminds me to hire people who bring positive energy, warmth, and fun to the work environment. 
And you know what? It works. My leadership team often shares when their team needs a break or a fun day. And my assistant reminds me to acknowledge anniversaries, birthdays, and schedule quarterly team appreciation events because I've made them a priority and directed her to do so. So being clear on your company culture not only helps you to attract the right people, it helps you to treat them right once you do. All right, step three, create ideal employee attributes. Once you've defined your goal for the organization and the culture needed to carry it out, then create a list of ideal employee attributes and define tangible and measurable experiences that align with those attributes, which will make hiring people less subjective. So for example, If I'm looking for a productive staff member, I may look for people who have completed something challenging, someone who's received an award like employee of the month or made the dean's list or obtained a player of the week award in college. Real productive people will be recognized on some level in their lives. Therefore, you want to ask interview questions to help you validate their productivity, and you want to look for awards and accomplishments on their resume that signal the fact that they were able to persevere and achieve some level of success in their prior life. And let's say I'm looking for a professional person. Well, professional people will have a good, well-formatted resume. They'll show up dressed appropriately. They'll respond to emails about interviews promptly, and they'll send a thank you note after an interview. There are certain attributes that you can assign points to or check a checklist to for a professional person that'll make sure that when you're hiring them, your professionalism wasn't just a subject to how you felt about them, but things that they actually did. So think actions that reflect attributes and how they can be detected on a resume or in an interview and then plan accordingly. Doing these things will help you stabilize your team, improve your culture and increase productivity. I can't stress enough that you must first define your purpose and the personality or culture of your organization in order to attract people whose purpose and personality align with it. I hope you find this revelation as empowering as I have, and I really hope that it's as much of a game changer for you as it has been for me and for Interfaith in the last three years. Now, let me close with these words of support. I have to admit it. There were times that I was harder or harsher than I needed to be as a leader. Times that I lacked the grace and patience that could have made things less difficult. Times when I allowed my emotions to get the best of me. But I didn't know then what I know now. I didn't know that everything God showed me didn't need to be said out loud. I didn't know to keep my opinions and unsolicited advice to myself. I didn't know how to set boundaries or maintain balance. And as a result, I made mistakes, some small and some significant. But you know what? God made miracles out of those mistakes. He sustained me. He covered me. He blessed me, not because I deserved it, but because he called me and he promised to keep me. He taught me and he matured me and he used my problems to make me better. 
He caused me to learn from mistakes and improve year after year. He empowered me to do more than I ever thought possible. And you know what? I'm just getting started. So to the leader who has regrets and has made some mistakes, to the leader who thinks that they can't rebound from this issue or recover from that problem, it's simply not true. Learn the lessons, get the coaching, get the counseling, and know this, there's still time, there's still grace, and there is still impact and influence ahead of you. Don't give up. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that only comes from you. We thank you that your word says that if any man lacks wisdom, we can ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach. And so I thank you for the wisdom that you've given experientially and through training and through reading that we can apply to our organizations to make them better. But more than that, I thank you for the grace to do it. I thank you for sending us the help we need. I thank you for giving us the energy we need. I thank you for giving us the the mindset that we need to turn things around. I thank you that um, your mercy is new every morning and your grace is sufficient today and so for each day. And so as we start a new week or start a new day, start a new chapter, I pray that you would give us the grace to first make peace with our past and make peace with the people in our past that may have been affected by the decisions and choices that we've made um, that weren't the best. And then I pray that you would give us grace, grace, and more grace to move forward with confidence and reassurance that you're for us and that you want the best for us and that your plans for us are good. And so I just thank you for it. I thank you for just how good you've been to me personally. I thank you for blessing everything that I put my hand to to prosper. And I thank you for doing the same for the listeners of this podcast. So we just give you the praise and the glory, and we thank you. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Today's tips can be found on my website, kimwconsulting.com. Just click the resource tab in the menu. You can also find information about my consulting services and upcoming events, and subscribe to my monthly life and leadership newsletter. If you found this podcast helpful, please share, rate, and subscribe. Thank you for listening. And remember, change is inevitable, but changing for the better isn't. Change wisely.